1993, I was introduced to the granddad of all first-person shooters, and it became my number one singular focus. From that point onward, I needed a PC that could play it, and an IBM-compatible with a 486DX266 processor became that vehicle. It's that PC that introduced me to so many amazing games, and it's the inspiration behind the 486 Deluxe Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you stick around and enjoy. Sam, either termites are burrowing through my skull, or one of us is picking. Oops. Oh, yeah. Max, where should I put this so it doesn't hurt anyone we know or care about? Out the window, Sam. There's nothing but strangers out there. I hope there was nobody on that bus. Nobody we know, at least. Greetings and welcome to the newest podcast in the Commodore Chronicles family of podcasts, 486 Deluxe. My name is Adam, and this show is inspired and dedicated to late-era MS-DOS in early Windows games. Whether those ran on VGA graphics or Super VGA graphics, had AdLib, Sound Blaster, or Roland MT32 sound, otherwise, what I would call the first time the IBM compatible became the premier home gaming system. 486 Deluxe, amongst all of my podcasts, are heavily centered around listener feedback. If you want to submit feedback for the next episode of 486 Deluxe, listen to the end of the podcast where our next title will be announced. Subsequent posts will be made to twitter.com forward slash c64chronicles and facebook.com forward slash c64chronicles where feedback can be submitted. If you don't have access to those social media sources, Feedback can also be submitted via email to CommodoreChronicles at gmail.com. If you want to support the Commodore Chronicles family of podcasts, including 486 Deluxe and Fine and Tandy, you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash c64chronicles. Special thanks to my patron members, the Fast Load Collective, Chris Petzl, Jim Pones, Matthew Warren, and Eric Nelson. Thank you so much for entrusting the Commodore Chronicles family of podcasts with your hard-earned funds. I'm humbled by your generosity and support. And now that we have the show details out of the way, let's take a look at a segment called 486 Beginnings. Let's just study some history, shall we? In late 1995, a dream was realized in an AST Advantage Adventure Model 6066D. At that time, it wasn't even really top of the line, but it was more than enough. It featured a 486DX266 processor, 8 megabytes of RAM, an ESS audio drive sound card, a Cirrus Logic Super VGA graphics card, a set of awful non-amplified speakers, and a really nice 15-inch Super VGA monitor. 
that computer yielded a very unhealthy addiction to doing chores and mowing my neighbor's yards to purchase software from the local Walmart, where we picked the computer up from, a surprisingly solid source for software. I initially picked up titles like IndyCar Racing 2, Front Page Sports, Football Pro 96, U.S. Navy Fighters, X-Wing, TIE Fighter, Crusader No Remorse, and, and Little Big Adventure, for example. I also had five good friends that lent software. We shared software between us, and that yielded at least four or five dozen different games that introduced me to games like Doom and Heretic, Day of the Tentacle, Sam and Max, Need for Speed, and other titles like Dark Forces and Burn Cycle. Just all sorts of varieties of games and, and high-quality ones that I had never played before. And then in 1998, I killed the thing. <laughs> but that brought along an upgrade with a 486DX4 133 megahertz processor, I believe was a Cyrix, 64 megabytes RAM, and then a new obsession, the internet. When I got the internet, I turned into a little pirate. The 486 processor was terribly out of date at that point, but the piracy of abandonware and the advent of emulation took my obsession to the next level. At that point, I had hundreds of games. I discovered websites like Home of the Underdogs, Abandonia, and the Abandoned Games Archive that all helped me fill my hard drive with titles like Rise of the Dragon, Beneath a Steel Sky, 4D Sports Driving, Raptor, Call of the Shadows, the Commander Keen series, and Degeneration, the first game I reviewed on the Fine and Tandy podcast. Then, a friend introduced me to Nesticle a classic NES emulator. And then I discovered CCS64, a C64 emulator, all on my own. So that was another couple hundred titles that went on that hard drive. By 1999, that PC had been upgraded to a Pentium 233 MMX with 256 megabytes of RAM, but still had the same ESS audio drive sound card in it. <laughs> it also had a random Trident GPU, which was better than the, the Cirrus Logic one, but it was still a woefully inadequate computer in terms of modern processing power. By then, Pentium 3 chips were already out, um, but it still functioned as my MS-DOS machine. And by then, uh, it wasn't much later than that that I got my driver's license and went frequent flea markets and garage sales to find cheap so software and hardware upgrades. Those were some fun days. I played it regularly right up to about, right around 2001 when I received a PS2 and my brother got a Pentium 3 equipped PC. Then it succumbed to a purge. The, if you've listened to my, any of my other podcasts, it was a purge in, in 2013 when my second child was born. I didn't want to store all these things out in the garage, so I started, I started selling these things off. Unfortunately, I didn't make a dollar off this thing. I still have the hard drive, though. It's in my collection, and I've recently backed it up. So those games always find their way into my newer PCs. But that's enough reminiscing from me. Let's get to our game review.
Wolfenstein 3D is a first-person shooter released in May 1992. It was developed by id Software and published by Apogee Software. Notable credits include a trio of programmers including John Carmack, John Romero, and Jason Blockawake. Graphics by Adrian Carmack and music by Robert Prince. This team made up the id Software group, known for the Commander Keen, Doom, and Quake series of games. Apogee Software worked on a shareware model where the first episode of the game was generally free to play, but the others were available if you went and sent away for the full version in the mail. Full versions were also on sale in retail stores. I picked up my copy of Wolfenstein 3D in 1996 at my local Walmart. It would have been the first game I bought, but my mother put up a good six-month fight. She wore down right after Christmas of 1995. Wolfenstein 3D is a programming evolution of id Software's 3D engine they previously used on games called Hover Tank 3D and Catacomb 3D. The subject matter was pulled from Muse Software's Castle Wolfenstein series. In fact, it was originally planned for stealth elements of the original game to be used in this game. Your character would have needed to hide bodies, use the enemy's uniform to blend in, and sneak past guards without shooting them. However, these ideas were shelved in order to keep the game at a faster pace and have it be more brutal. The storyline follows B.J. Blaskowitz, an American spy, and his escape in one-man assault on the Nazi Empire. Wolfenstein 3D has six total episodes. The three primary episodes are Escape from Castle Wolfenstein, where our protagonist is captured by Nazi forces. He accosts a prison guard and steals his pistol and knife. It culminates with a battle with Hans Gross, the prison's leader. Operation Einfaust, where BJ foils the evil plans of Dr. Schobbs to create an army of zombie soldiers. And then finally, Die Fuhrer Die, where you're tasked to assassinate the maniac Adolf Hitler himself. Hitler throws the gauntlet for BJ, ending with a battle with the Fuhrer himself, and he's sporting a mechanical suit armed with four Gatlin guns. Then there were three prequel episodes called The Nocturnal Missions, Dark Secret, where BJ has to stop Otto Giftmacher from releasing a chemical weapon. Trail of the Madman, where BJ needs to find secret Nazi plans that detail the location of the evil general Fight Gejeit. Confrontation, with the location of General Fight Gejeit in hand, BJ is ordered to hunt him down and kill him, stopping his chemical warfare. In your quest, you'll encounter five different types of enemies. The guard, dressed in brown, who's not the brightest, but there's a ton of them. They'll announce that they see you by yelling, Achtung! or attention in German. They'll be on patrol in the halls or hiding in coves, but you can always count on hearing them as they're coming. The Schutstaffel, or SS, dressed in blue, who will call out Schutstaffel when they see you, they're harder to take down because they're armored and they also have machine guns. When you kill them, they'll scream out, Mein Leben! 
or my life. Then there's the officer, who's similar to the guard but dressed in white. Some of them will call out spion or spy when they see you, but others will sneak up on you and shoot you from close range from behind without even hearing them. So watch your back. Though they only have a pistol, they're much better marksmen. You'll face Nazi-trained guard dogs that run back and forth quickly, but feature a weak attack. Man, I really hate putting them down. <laughs> and lastly, you might run into the occasional... Dr. Shab's created zombie, with a machine gun sticking out of its chest. They're easily the most deadly enemy in the game. They're quick and silent, often catching you off guard if you're not paying attention. And all of these assailants will lead to the episode bosses. So that's going to be like Hans Gross or Dr. Shab's or Adolf Hitler or General Feitgezeit. And what you're going to end up finding is that they all are better equipped in the weapons front than you are. Adolf Hitler sporting four Gatling guns. Dr. Shabs throws knives insanely. He's, gosh, he throws like 15 of them at the same time. <laughs> Hans Gross will have multiple machine guns, and General Feitgezeit will have rocket launchers. They're always going to be better armed than you are, and you're going to have to just dump bullets into them because they're bullet sponges. So usually strewn throughout the edges of these levels will be catches of health uh, kits and ammo. So get your run on, get your strafe on, hide behind walls, and lay it to these guys. You're going to have to unload your Gatling gun multiple times. To aid you in dispatching the Nazis, you'll have four weapons to choose from. A knife. It's pretty much useless. The only thing that I find it effective on is guarding yourself against dog attacks. The pistol that works best in taking out guards because the guards really can't take much shots. The machine gun, which I find is my preferred weapon of choice normally. Unless I'm in a room with either a ridiculously powerful boss enemy or a room full of SS. And that's the chain gun. The chain gun, oh man, this thing is brutal. It will take out an entire room full of enemies with one sweep. However, usually that one sweep will also take all of your ammo. Your ammo is shared between the Gatling gun, machine gun, and pistol. From there, you're going to need to heal yourself from time to time. And you can do that with three different things. Dinners, which tend to be laying on the ground, they restore 10% of your health. And then you have first aid kits that restore 25% of your health. But if you're in a pinch, in a bind, and your health is low enough, BJ will get desperate enough and he will eat dog food. And that dog food really doesn't do much for your health, but it might get you out of a pinch. The last objective of Wolfenstein 3D is to get as big of a score as possible. And you could do that by collecting crosses for 100 points, chalices for 500 points, treasure chests for 1,000 points, and then every once in a while you'll find a crown for 5,000 points. And then the last way you'll be able to score well in, in Wolfenstein altogether is to complete levels within a quick time find all of the treasure, find all of the secrets, and also 
kill all of the enemies in the level. The faster you go, the bigger the score you get. And then we're going to take a second here and discuss some Wolfenstein 3D strategies. In one, never just walk into a room willy-nilly. Step in one step after opening the door, wait for the enemy to announce themselves, and walk backwards out of the room. That allows you to let them open the door, prompting you to shoot them, but also creates a pinch point where they have to come through the door. If you walk into a room and there are multiple enemies there, chances are they're going to surround you and kill you pretty quick. You're going to be focusing on one while the other one's approaching you from behind, and getting shot in the back is far worse than getting shot at a distance. Secondly, make sure you use the walls as cover as much as you can, especially when in a boss fight. For example, when you're fighting Adolf Hitler, you're going to be in kind of like this metal walled area. And there's going to be these small boxes in the middle of the room. Hitler is not all that fast. And if you have your run button down, you can outrun him without any problem whatsoever. However, if you stand directly in front of him, his four Gatling guns will light you up in less than three seconds. You'll be done for. So... Pop around a corner, shoot him a bunch of times, and when he shoots you, get your head behind that, that guard again, and then make sure you're moving, because he's always going to take a beeline directly at you. I find that the mouse control on Wolfenstein 3D was not quite yet to a standard in which we know it today. I tend to use the keyboard over a joystick or mouse, though I do find that if you have like a Gravis gamepad, I think you could be just as quick. Two, every level always has some type of hidden treasure, weapons, health. Be sure to look out. For example, on the very first level, you're going to walk into a hallway that has wood paneling on it. And on the left-hand side, there's this little cove, and there's a soldier in there. Why? Who needs to guard a little alcove? Well, he sees you, you shoot him, you kill him, and then if you push the door button on the panel that's behind him, that panel will push back, and you'll find health and then your first machine gun. Next up, keep the F8 key in mind at all times. If you clear a room that has a lot of hard enemies on it, and you did relatively well, F8 is a quick save. It'll take you to the save menu, couple button presses, and you've saved your progress. And then right next to it is the F9 key, and you can reload just as simple as that. And it, what it's going to do is it's going to allow you to save your life way more often. And then really the most important piece of information I can give you is to conserve your ammo as much as you possibly can. If you walk into a room just guns a-blazing, you're going to run out of ammo in later levels super quick. If you're just dispatching guards, technically you shouldn't be using more than your pistol. However, I do find that if you're good with the, the control key, you can just rattle off one shots with the machine gun. It's more accurate and more powerful. But if you're running around with a Gatling gun, you're going to be out of ammo 
almost instantaneously. And then lastly, if you're down to a knife, it's time to retreat. If you run out of ammo in a room full of enemies and you know where the door is and it's open, turn around, hold the run key, go through that door and find a catch of ammo somewhere. They will chase you down, absolutely. But the faster you go, the more likely you're going to succeed. And now that we've covered the details of the game, the development of the game, and even talked about some strategies, let's give it a review. 486 Deluxe Game Review Four eighty six Deluxe reviews all games in the following areas. Graphics, sound, music, gameplay, replayability. We'll give it an overall score, and then we'll compare the DOS version to versions released on other systems. Graphics. Graphically, Wolfenstein 3D features sharp VGA graphics that are nicely crafted and well animated. The artwork is dark and features the brevity of the subject matter. What sets the game off from previous, less successful attempts at 3D action is the smoothness. Wolfenstein 3D plays as smooth as butter with a full 60 frames per second. Though the VGA graphics are indeed sharp and well-drawn, the graphics engine can't handle diagonal walls. At times, it feels like you're running in a Pac-Man maze, which is kind of hilarious because I think the programmers were well aware of the issue, crafting a hidden Pac-Man level inside of the game. Graphics for Wolfenstein 3D get 7 hidden treasure rooms out of 10. Sound. The sound of Wolfenstein 3D is one of the most influencing factors of my admiration of the game. The sound of the gunshots, the calls of the enemy, and the sound of the metal doors were atmospheric. The sound influenced me so much at age 10 and 11 that I'd run out on the playground yelling, Shoot Staffel! <laughs> like the little insensitive Schweinhund I was. Now, granted, the fart noises of attempting to find secret walls was an awful noise, but sound still deserves nine Gatlin guns out of 10. Music. The Wolfenstein 3D features dozens of music tracks for the levels and menus, some iconic. Others are terribly annoying and grating on the ears. These days, I find the music score to be lacking, so I give it 6 N-level elevators out of 10. Gameplay. Wolfenstein 3D's gameplay is solid. The enemies are varied in difficulty, and the controls outside of the vague and difficult mouse-driven ones are easy to pick up and are perfect for this era of game. I played a version on archive.org the other day that remapped the controls to WASD in the mouse, and it just felt weird. Nothing was wrong with it in the first place to require a change, but... With the control schemes as they are, you'll be killing Nazis long into the night on this one. Gameplay gets 9 enemy death cries out of 10. Replayability. I don't know about you, but I have specific games that really spark this desire to keep revisiting them over and over again. Day of the Tentacle, Flashback, NHL 94, Tecmo Super Bowl and Wolfenstein 3D. I wouldn't say that's the full list, 
But I come back to Wolfenstein 3D all the time. When I want to play a first-person shooter, it's the game I gravitate towards. When Doom came out afterwards, I kind of just kept going back to Wolfenstein 3D and its sequel, Spear of Destiny. So I give replayability 10 gruesome boss deaths out of 10. Overall score. That leads to an overall score of 8.5 out of 10. And I know what you're thinking. You just called it one of the most iconic games of your childhood. And it was. But at the same time, some of that sheen is worn off a bit. The, the grading music in No Diagonal Walls kind of takes that .5 off. And I'm not that much of a first-person shooter fan myself. I tend to find them tedious and generic. But when I think of first-person shooter, I think of Wolfenstein well before Doom. Doom is impressive graphically, but I guess it didn't resonate with me as much. So again, that's an overall score of 8.5 out of 10. System comparisons. Wolfenstein 3D came out for a slew of systems, including the PC-98, the Atari Jaguar, the Super Nintendo, the 3DO, the Acorn Archimedes, the Apple II GS, the Nintendo Game Boy Advance, and then it came out in, in more modern releases for like Xbox, Xbox 360, iOS and Android, and then most recently, um, there's a homebrew version for the Sega Genesis that's really darn good. If there's one observation to be made, it's that, I'm not just being biased here, the DOS version is the best version. They just got it right. If you go into some of the other versions, like the Super Nintendo version, the graphics are terrible and choppy, and they've taken most of the content out of it. They tried to make improvements to the, the 3DO, Acorn Archimedes, Apple II GS, and Jaguar versions, but they're not as fluid as the original DOS version. And really, I think the only other version on lesser hardware that's just as good as the DOS version is the new Sega Genesis version. The, the ones that came later for the Xbox 360 and the Xbox and the PlayStation 3 and then iOS phones and Android, all are just basically emulating the DOS version. So, I feel, personally, that the DOS version just got it right. So now that you've heard enough from me, let's see what you guys had to say about it. 486 Deluxe Community Feedback. Steve Trawin said, absolutely mind-blowing at the time. Somewhere around here, I have stashed away an original shareware version on five and a quarter floppies that was sold in a plastic sleeve on a rotating display. It was certainly a different way of doing things back then. I wonder how much time collectively worldwide has been spent by gamers with their faces to the walls spamming the space bars they check for every room and corridor for secret passages. A brilliantly fun game and rightfully considered a genre-defining game, even if other 3D shooters like Catacomb came before it. Auntie Potenkara said for its time it was absolutely mind-blowing. It's still pretty fun to play, over 30 years later. Lucas Scarupa said Wolf 3D 
wasn't a perfect game, but it was a game changer for a, a new style of game of FPS shooter. Rich Flora said he first played it in Shareware in 1982 and shortly after got the full version along with Spear of Destiny and the map and graphics editors. Very cool. Maximiliano Tabora said, I think it was Shareware, wasn't it? If I correctly remember, I got it on a diskette. It was so different. It's crazy. Like a soldier simulator. It was the beginning of a new kind of game, the dawn of a new era. The bearded son of Nell said, My first experience with the game was on a Mac of all places back in 1996, I think. I got a copy of it from a guy I was working with at the time. I fell in love with it right away and played the living heck out of it for months. I still play it from time to time on my Xbox One. Two of the funnier comments that were right next to one another, one came from James Higgs. James said, My first first-person shooter played the shareware version hundreds of hours. My German grandfather thought it was hilarious. And that is the one thing that I was worried about, you know, that this is a touchy era. Matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, I could be completely wrong. I'm not even going to look it up. But I think this game was banned in Germany. And then the comment right above James's comment comes from Thomas Sterling. And he says, a classic. No way in Hitler's hellfire could this ever be allowed to release in this day and age. That's for certain. <laughs> He's probably right. There are some crazy things that come out these days. But for some reason, there is just these topics that you can't touch. And, uh, well... You never know. Uh, another comment came from another another uh, uh, participant that said um, a uh, a Jewish American hero. <laughs> I don't know what the guy meant by it, but hey. Uh, and the thing was too, Wolfenstein 3D in all of the 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 comments that I got wasn't always just peachy keen there was a couple people that said that they thought it was a good game they just didn't like the art style so like edwin said i was impressed by the speed of the game but i didn't like the art style so yeah nice but i'll pass much later like six months or so i saw doom and wow i became a pc owner not much later and he thought it was kind of pixelated so you know it's not it's not that this game is iconic for everybody. Like I said, you're you seem to be if you're you're talking about the grandfather of the first person shooter, you're kind of either in the Wolfenstein camp or you're in the Doom camp. I guess you could also be in the Quake camp as well. So, they're all very phenomenal shooters. Anyways, yeah. Thank you everybody for your feedback. Um I got a ton of feedback for this, which is really in, in, encouraging, whether it was between the Facebook or the Twitter. Um, I got a ton of feedback and thank you guys for it. There we go, folks. That is the very first episode of 486 Deluxe. If you want to get in on the feedback for our next episode where we're going to review Star Trek The Next Generation a Final Unity, you can do so over at twitter.com forward slash c64chronicles and facebook.com forward slash c64chronicles where posts will be made. 
You can also submit feedback via email to Commodore Chronicles at gmail.com. If you wish to support the Commodore Chronicles family of podcasts, you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash C64 Chronicles. I'd like to thank my Fast Loader Collective patron members, Chris Petzel, Jim Pones, Matthew Warren, and Eric Nelson. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you for listening to 486 Deluxe, and I hope to catch you on the next episode. Take care.